Has this thought ever crossed your mind? I love God. I have served him faithfully. I've given him all of my life. I've sacrificed for him. Why should I suffer? Why should I go through it? My neighbor, he doesn't love God. Why is he so blessed? My boss, she doesn't love God. Why is she so blessed? And we do think it's strange. It seems like, well, because I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have to go through these things, but you do and I do go through pains in this life. This is amazing grace. Welcome again to Abounding Grace. Perhaps the most difficult challenge we face concerning God or the greatest struggle some have with God is why does he allow suffering? The problem of pain is an age-old problem and a very difficult one. And I should add, it's equally or even a greater challenge to the believer who knows God and knows that God loves them. How do we deal with the problem of pain? Why is there so much suffering in the world? Is there a remedy? We'll get some answers as we continue in the book of Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul the Apostle, he declares, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And because suffering is so hurtful and so painful, because suffering is something all of us want to avoid, none of us really like, because we live in a country that's so blessed, because we live in a time of relative freedom and greatness, there is this pattern, there is this wave, there is this thought, and some of you might have even picked up on it in your own life that, hey, I shouldn't have to suffer because I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have to go through things. I mean, I love Jesus. I've given him my life. I've surrendered everything for him. I've lived a holy and a pure life. I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to go through things. I mean, I'm not rebelling against God anymore. I mean, I'm living for him, and, and I am, I'm living in such a way that when his word is read, I, I receive it, I respond to it so well, you'll hear it all throughout the church and perhaps even in your own life. I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to go through this. And even as I speak, does it not sound selfish? Does it not sound selfish coming from my lips? I shouldn't have to suffer because I'm a Christian. I mean, we're Christians, right? We live in the United States of America. We should be immune to suffering because we're a blessed people. Listen, none of us is immune to the pains and problems of life. Every single one of us, whether it's now or in the future, will suffer. Even though we do live in an incredible time in history, and we live in an incredible country with incredible freedoms and incredible prosperities, we will suffer. Because everyone, everywhere, suffers. 
everyone, believer and unbeliever alike, every single one of us suffers in one way or another, especially to those who desire to live a godly life. You can jot it down in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. We're told that all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Jesus, when he calls us to follow after him, he says, I want you to deny yourself and take up your cross. The cross speaks of suffering and sacrifice. So when I come to you today and I preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, I preach a message. I teach a message from God's word that you and I, for Jesus Christ, will suffer. We'll suffer. We're going to suffer in this world. Sometimes the suffering that we face will be because of the faults and failures of someone else. It will be someone else's sin that causes us great pain. It will be someone else's actions. It will be someone else's words. It will be someone else's carelessness, and it will cause us deep grief and pain. Sometimes we suffer because of our own foolishness, our own sins, our own issues, the depth of our own depravity and bad decisions. Sometimes we suffer. Sometimes we suffer because of both. Others and ourselves. Sometimes it's rebellion. Sometimes it's disobedience. But listen, the root of all suffering, the root of all pain is sin. Sin entering into the world. We've learned that through Romans. That sin causes great pain, both ours and others. Whether it's even the sin of Adam who brought sin into the world into humanity. But Paul reminds us in verse 18 that the sufferings of this present age, well, they're that just that, the sufferings of this present age, that the sufferings we face now, the sufferings we face now don't follow us into eternity. They're for a present time. They're for a brief moment. He says that word consider. You can circle it and write next to it, I know. You know, a lot of times we'll use the word consider like, well, I'll consider that and then I'll think about it. And as I think about it and wrestle with everything, then I'll make up my mind. But that's not what the word means in the original language. The word here means that I know, that I know, that I know. It means that I understand, Paul says. He says, I consider, I understand, I know that the sufferings of right now, the things that I'm going through right now, the things that are in my life right now, the things that have happened to me, not only because of sin of someone else, not only because of my sin, but but because of my connection to Jesus Christ, I know, I know that they don't even compare to what's up ahead, to the glory that will be revealed in me, the changes that God is making in me and through me. You could paraphrase this. You could say, I understand the value of sufferings in this present time, and they don't compare to what's up ahead. Any suffering for Christ's sake is a small price to pay for the gracious benefits received in that suffering. And so then we ask the question, oh, wait a minute. Can Paul really say this? Does he know what he's talking about? I mean, can Paul really say, does he know what suffering's like? Does he know what it's to go through? I mean, I bet you Paul's never gone through what I've gone through. Or many times in a time like this, as the Holy Spirit is ministering to your heart, there's this rising up of the flesh at times. You go, you know what, Ed, you haven't gone through what I've gone through. You can't talk to me like that. So why would you even point me to Paul? You don't know what I'm going through. Does Paul have, does Paul have the authority to speak on suffering? I ask you to open to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Would you turn there with me? Paul, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, as he is sharing his heart, he's being attacked, you know. 
the church in Corinth who he served so faithfully, who he loved so greatly. Well, false teachers had come in and it started to throw around these accusations against Paul. They started to tell the church that Paul didn't really care about them. They started to tell the church and the believers there that Paul was only interested in taking advantage of them. And all these accusations were flying. And might I say, and might I share with you some practical information on accusations? Because, you know, accusations come all the time. Accusations were coming against Paul here in 2 Corinthians. They come against leaders today. Accusations all over the place. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, you can jot it down, that Satan himself is the accuser of the brethren. And so pastors and teachers and leaders and elders and deacons and women's ministry leaders and those that are serving in the church, they face and we face accusations all the time. As a matter of fact, one of the prerequisites for those that want to get involved in ministry is to live a life that's above reproach. Some have misunderstood that to be a perfect life. That's not what Paul's saying at all. The idea behind above reproach is that when accusations come, they don't stick. You know why? Because accusations will come. So here you are just loving the Lord, seeking his face, and there's an accusation that comes across your path toward a leader, toward a pastor, toward an elder, toward a deacon. What are you supposed to do? Well, jot this. You know what? Hold your place in 2 Corinthians. Hold your place in Romans. Flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let me show you from your own Bible what you and I are to do when accusations come. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19. Let's read this together. You ready? Do against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And so Paul warns Timothy, he warns us as a church, do not receive an accusation unless there's two or three witnesses. And what I have found over the years is that accusations come. And when they come and we don't have two or three witnesses, what it really becomes is gossip and slander. Because if it's only you and you see something in a brother, you see something in a leader, you see something, you sense something, the Bible says for you not to go to another person. Did you know that? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, toward the middle there, to go to that person, just you and him alone, and share it with him. And just allow the Holy Spirit to minister reconciliation and forgiveness and prayerfully, if there is some issue, repentance. And so if you choose, well, I've seen this thing, or I think about this thing, and you start telling other people about it, you're engaging in gossip and slander, which is sinful, hurtful, and destructive. And what I've also found is that there's two or three witnesses, it's not new news. It's something that the church can deal with, the leadership of the church. But, so be careful, because Paul's in that place right now where he's being accused, and, and unfortunately the church is believing the accusations. They're believing the lies. And so part of what he's doing in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's defending himself. He's letting the church know, hey, you know what? I've gone through things too. And we pick up in verse 22 of some things that are going on in the life of Paul the Apostle. He says, speaking of these false teachers, he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, of labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, speaking of being beaten, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. For the sake of Jesus Christ, he faced death after death and 
threats upon his life. Notice verse 24, from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times, verse 25, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He's not talking about being under the influence here, guys. He's talking about being stoned, man. And remember, I'm not talking about, remember I shared with you that stoning didn't happen with the little rocks that you landscape your house with? That when a man, when a woman was stoned, they would find the largest rock that they could possibly carry and they would walk over and they would violently drop it on the person. Paul the Apostle faced that. He goes on to say not only was he stoned, but three times he was shipwrecked. A night and the day. I've been in the deep. Many scholars believe that he's referring to a time like Jonah being off of a ship and in the deep. Verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren. You get the picture of wherever he ran, he found no comfort, no help, no ease. He was in peril all the time. Verse 27, weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, hunger and thirst, fastings often, cold and nakedness, and besides all these other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. In response to his love for Jesus and the church, he begins to share his credentials and what he's gone through. He begins to say, listen, I I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. I know what it's like to feel pain, Paul says. I know what it's like to go through tiredness and loneliness. I know what it's like to find no rest for my soul, no rest for my... I know, I know what I'm talking about, Paul says. When he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, I consider the sufferings I'm going through this present time. Don't even compare to what's the glory that's going to be... He says, I know what I'm talking about. You've got to understand, I've been there. So often Paul was there. And I read through 2 Corinthians 11 and other passages, and I'm greatly humbled personally, by the price that my brother Paul paid for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I looked through some of that list, and you know, I haven't gone through hardly any of it. I mean, maybe a little bit of sleeplessness over the concern of the church. Maybe there are times in my life when I'm thinking about the church, and I'm wandering away, and I should be what's going on in front of me, but my heart's broken over some sorrow, some sadness, some sin in the church, and maybe I've lost a few nights of sleep, and Maybe I've had a peril here, maybe a false breath. I've had a few. I, I, I mean, it's humbling. It's humbling to read through this. Because this isn't, I couldn't write this. I wouldn't have as many things in my life that I've seen for Jesus Christ. The persecution and the, the types of things that you and I go through in the United States, it's very relatively easy. I mean, Somebody makes fun of us at work, and we're, oh, I was crucified at work. They they made fun of my Bible. And that's what we go through. Somebody said an ill word about us, and we go through those types of things. I mean, the story is told of Pastor Florescu. The communist torturers came toward Pastor Florescu again, and this time with red-hot iron pokers. Who else believes as you do? Give us their names. And the pastor would not speak. They had already cut him again and again with knives and beaten him very badly. When he refused to cooperate, he was returned to his cell. Starving rats were driven into his cell through a large pipe. He could not sleep because he had to defend himself at all times. If he rested just for a moment, the rats would attack him, and yet still he remained silent. 
Oh, the torturers became so angry and incensed at this man that they brought his 14-year-old son and began to whip the boy in front of his father, saying they would beat him until the pastor told them what they wanted to know. The poor man was half crazy. He bore it as long as he could, but when he could stand it no more, he cried out to his son, Alexander, I must say what they want. I can bear your beatings no more. And his son answered, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a traitor as a parent. Withstand them. If they kill me, I will die with the words, Jesus and my fatherland. And the communists, they became so angry and enraged that they killed that young man right in front of his dad. That story took place just years ago. See, what we're facing here, our brothers and sisters in the Sudan are going through far greater. This story came from a book. I encourage you to pick it up. It's called Jesus Freaks. There's a couple versions of it, of modern-day stories of your brothers, my sisters in the Lord that are suffering for their faith today. And instead, we have been distracted as a church. We have been diverted as a church. We've become very, very selfish in the prosperity of our country, which makes Christianity very, very weak and anemic. Our hearts and our minds are on other things when our brothers and our sisters around the world are suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Even today, Muslim countries will, well, you don't hear it on the news because they don't widely distribute this information, but you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in a Muslim country and there is a death warrant out on your life. You're done. You lose your family. You lose your friends. You lose your identity. That's happening across the Muslim world today. Suffering is real. And our brothers and sisters in the faith suffer greatly. We read in the lives of the early church that they suffered for the things of God. Through many tribulations, the Bible says, we must through many tribulations enter into the kingdom of God. Back in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, that word sufferings, you can mark it. It's the word panthema. It can refer to the sufferings of Jesus Christ and also the sufferings of Christians and also the sufferings of Christians in the name of Jesus Christ. Sufferings. Things that we face as Christians. That suffering is shared by all of us. The Bible says that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer with them individually. And it's so true. Suffering comes to all of us. None of us are immune to pains and problems as much as we want to avoid it. Would you flip over to 1, Timothy, or 1 Peter chapter 4? As Peter's writing, he would know what it's like to suffer. Peter was crucified upside down, we're told. He says, I'm not even worthy to die like my Savior. Would you do this upside down? And tradition tells us that's how he died. As a matter of fact, tradition tells us that the apostles died horrific deaths torturous deaths for the name of Jesus Christ. Peter, facing that in his own life, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I draw your attention to verse 12. As Peter's writing to us and those that are suffering, he reminds us that in this life, this present time that Paul says, he says in verse 12, Beloved, and he, it's almost like you can sense Peter is pausing here and he's using the word beloved because he's going to draw us a little bit closer. He's going to say, listen, guys, I love you. And what I'm about to say, I'm saying out of love. He says, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, 
which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Your Savior was a suffering Savior. The Bible says your Savior mind, Jesus, was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And as we partake of our Savior's sufferings, we're going to be men and women of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He says, rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. From the New Living Translation, listen, they translate these verses, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if some strange thing were happening to you. Instead, be very glad because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it's displayed to all the world. I love how the message translates this. Another paraphrase, the message translation says, Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you're in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. The problem that I find in my life and in your life as well, I'm sure, is that we do think it's strange when we fall into various trials. We do feel like the psalmist in Psalm 73, and we start looking around and saying, wait a minute, I love God. I have served him faithfully. I've given him all of my life. I've sacrificed for him. Why should I suffer? Why should I go through it? My neighbor, he doesn't love God. Why is he so blessed? My boss, she doesn't love God. Why is she so blessed? And we do think it's strange. There is that sense in our flesh where we think we shouldn't have to suffer anything. That we shouldn't have to go through anything. It seems strange to us that the righteous suffer while the ungodly seem to have it all. It seems strange to us that after all that we've done in the name of Jesus Christ, that our time will be rewarded with pain. It does seem strange to us that here we are living for God while others that seem to hate God only prosper. It seems like everything is against us. The pain is so deep and so hurtful. And so sorrowful. It knocks us off. And we almost stumbled. Flip back to Psalm 73, would you? We've almost stumbled. I mean, we've fallen flat on our face. This health scenario. Oh, how painful it is. The finances and where I am financially. Oh, it's how difficult. I came to work on Monday and instead of getting that raise I was expecting, I got a pink slip. Oh, How difficult my marriage wasn't working out the way I thought. We had this sweet, wonderful marriage, but then I come to find out it wasn't wasn't so sweet and wonderful after all. Why me, Lord? Why me and why now and why this? And in Psalm 73, I mean, the psalmist, that that psalm is like us. Truly God is good to Israel, verse 1, to such as pure in heart. I mean, God is good and I know that, but for me, verse 2, my feet almost stumbled. I mean, my steps, they slipped. You thought you were so strong. You had such a foundation in Jesus Christ until this. And it seems strange. It seems way out there. It seems like, well, because I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have to go through these things. But you do, and I do, go through pains in this life. 
Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Romans right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for being part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Pastor Chuck Smith called The Man God Uses. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you'd say you want to be used by God. But sometimes we're not quite sure how to get there. In this book, Pastor Chuck Smith examines 14 characteristics found in several people in the Bible that were used by God in powerful ways. I know you'll be encouraged, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses, too. That's our prayer and heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 